this question. Just one time, Brother DeBoer, Deacon at Bryan Station, asked me one time, put his hand around my shoulder and said, I want to ask you a question. Are you a child of the king? He's known me some time, but uh, some people would get offended at that, but I didn't. Because we're a church member or because we've been a professor of salvation for years does not mean that we're truly saved. But uh, what is salvation and how do I know if I'm saved? These are important questions to ask and it's the sooner the better. But when we ask, are you saved, saved from what? Sin, that's, that's the problem. Man didn't start out separated from God. We know that as it's, it's elementary. At creation, Adam and Eve were perfect. Just the world they lived in. Although tempted by Satan to ignore God's command, the choice to disobey was theirs. My body that I live in is an enemy of God. But when I sin, I sin by choice. I refuse to do what I know is right. And if you think about it, there's, it's, their sin seems insignificant to us. I mean, after all, Adam and Eve didn't have no gross sin. They just simply ate what they thought looked good. And uh, most of us from time to time have that problem. We see something. We know we shouldn't eat it, but we eat it and we pay for it later with an upset stomach or not being able to rest. But when we ask the question, what is salvation? Salvation is bigger than a simple definition. Internally, salvation changes you from a sinner to a saint. Though you still sin, you have been changed on the inside. I think that's something to really, really think about when we uh, think about that salvation is bigger than a simple definition. It changes you from a saint, though you still sin. Well, in Matthew seven fourteen, Matthew the seventh chapter and the fourteenth verse, God tells us something here. You know, the gate is small and Great, as it says here, because great is the gate and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. You know, unless we're saved at a very early age, uh, we got to give up a lot of stuff. We got to change our pattern. 
And uh, <clears throat> if you listen to sermon audio, uh, I asked Brother Matt to put on a uh, on sermon audio a sermon on demons. And during that uh, sermon that Brother was preaching, a lady exposed that she was demon-possessed and they had to take her out of the service. And uh, demons are real. And the reason that we do not live the way that we should is there is a demonic world out there and uh, we got to meet the qualifications of God before we can be saved and he tells us in verse 13 of Matthew 7 enter ye into the straight gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction and many there be which go in thereat in other words, you don't have to give up anything. You don't have to change lifestyles to be lost. Just do your thing. And that's what we see people are doing. But our text said, Because great is the gate, narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be to find it. To be saved, there's got to be some sacrifice on our part to grow in grace and knowledge, the more we want to grow, the more we got to sacrifice. You know, and that is finding out what it takes to get close to God and what it takes to remain close to God. So the question is, have you heard the good news? The gospel means good news. It is the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, you know, and it's very simple, you know, how that Christ came and he died, he was buried, and he rose again so that you and I and anyone who comes to him can be saved. It is impossible to receive a gift that you have never been offered. We think about all the lost people that we know in our family and other people's family. And we wonder why these people aren't saved. Well, it could be that they've never been offered salvation. Because every once in a while I'll get on sermon audio and I'll listen about 10 to 15 minutes of sermons from different churches and different organizations. And you couldn't be saved listening to that preacher because there's no gospel talk. There's no word talk. But uh, so it's impossible to receive a gift that you've never been offered. The same is true with salvation. You need to hear the message 
and God's offer of salvation. You know, I may say, you know, uh, why isn't my friend saved? And we excuse ourselves by saying everybody has heard the gospel, but they haven't. There are people that sit in churches. My wife and I have some mutual friends, and we can, uh, when my wife gets sick, she goes to Georgia, or, or when I was, you know, in the hospital having heart surgery, they called. They would call Dora. They would, when I got home, they called me. And we can discuss anything except religion. And there are members of a church that believes you've got to be baptized to be saved. That's not the gospel. If that's all they got out of it, they've never heard the gospel. And they made it clear, you know, that we don't discuss religion. And I told them, I said, you're in luck. I don't either. I don't discuss religion. But I discuss the gospel. Now, in the book of Romans, chapter 10, chapter 10, verse 13 and 14, God says, notice, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But listen to verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? That term is not talking about a pastor. Although the pastor would certainly fit in that. But every one of us who are saved should be preachers. Preacher is one who proclaimed the gospel. And it's amazing, it really is to, to me. I don't you know try to be funny or in or anything. We share all kind of news with our friends, but we don't want to offend them. I wonder when we see the lost cast into hell, and we'll see that. And we see that best friend for years who's cast into hell because they've never been saved. That's why that at the judgment, there'll be tears. There'll be tears shed by me where I had an opportunity to tell somebody about the Lord. He opened up the situation so I could go in and straighten some belief out because, but I didn't. Because their friendship 
was more important to me than seeing them saved. God said, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him and whom they have not heard? They've heard about him. You know, everybody knows who Jesus is. But have you ever had a conversation with him? So, have you heard the good news? That's the first question. Not have you sat under the preaching of God's word, but have you heard it? The second is, have you been convicted? We aren't speaking of a federal crime. We are talking about the work of the Holy Spirit that personal convicts you that the gospel is more than a story. The gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ in the place of whosoever will. Now, what is the key? We got a prayer box back there, and uh, I was interested to see if the visitor we had a few weeks ago, uh, I know she was given a visitor's card. Did she put it in there? So uh, I, I got a whole ring of, uh, you know, Keys. What do those keys go to? Maybe I put them on that ring. So any key that would fit in that lock back there, I tried to unopen it. But as of yet, that box hasn't heard the right key. And there's people in our families and friends that have never heard the gospel. They know what the gospel is, but they've never heard it. So, therefore, when you ask the question, have you been convicted that Jesus Christ died for you, was buried for you, and arose for you? The answer is no, because that key is the gospel. We aren't speaking of a federal crime. We're talking about the work of the Holy Spirit that personally convinces you that the gospel is more than a story. Yet, certain time of the year, you know, we have a play that presents the Christmas story. But everything about that story is wrong. Wrong time of the year. Dates are not accurate. What took place is not accurate. You can always tell when the world agrees with something, it's wrong. When it comes to Christianity, if the world agrees with it, you have put the wrong message out. See, 
The work of conviction accomplishes two tasks. First, conviction allows you to see your need of salvation and feel the shame of your personal sin. When God convicted me, what everybody else was telling me was wrong that I shouldn't do, I never seen that. Didn't want to see it, whatever, but I never seen it until God put me under conviction. The work of conviction accomplished two tasks. First, conviction allows you to see the need for salvation and the shame of personal sin. The Bible describes a deep spiritual burden God places on us as we come to terms with our sin and our need, the sin resolved. We want to get rid of it. We want to do better. Now notice Psalms 32. The 32nd Psalm. Blessed is he whose transgressions is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Now, I talked to a man this week. I needed some work on the house, so I called this guy, and he came over, you know, and gave me a price, and I asked him, uh, are you saved? He said, Mr. Vance, I'm a blessed man, but you're not saved? How can you be a blessed man if you're not saved? Well, I, I'm healthy. I've got work. I've got a family. Your wife saved? No. Your children saved? No. But yet... You work every day for a spouse and children, and I'm assuming you've never told them about Jesus Christ. But yet you say you're a blessed man. God said, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. Deceit is what guile is. They said of our Lord and Savior, there was no guile in him. He did not try to deceive himself or anyone else. The psalmist said, when I keep silent, my bones wax old, though my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into drought of summer, Celeste. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord that thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou may be found. Surely is the floods of great waters, they shall not come nigh unto him. 
Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eyes. God said, Be ye not as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with a bit and bridle. Least they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Have God shown you mercy? I'm here today living because of the mercy of God. Not because I deserve it, not that I've earned it. Simply the mercy of God is how I stand before you this morning. God said in verse 11, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Now, I wasn't condemning the man. And, you know, after we got done, I said, Do you still interested in the work? He said, Yes, sir. I said, You know from time to time, if you open the door, I'm going to step my foot in it. And I will. But before you get aggravated, and I said, if you open the door. When a person tells me, I don't want to hear, I love you, I appreciate you, I've got respect for you, but don't preach the gospel to me. I don't do it. I honor that. So that's why you give them as much as you can the first time because you may never have a chance the second time. Conviction also draws us to God. You know, Jesus said in John chapter 6 and verse 44, no man can come to me unless the Father who sent me draw him. So when I say, and I don't go through the song book and say, you know, song leader, don't, don't do this, and don't sing this, don't. But there's a lot of songs in our hymnal that are unscriptural. But everybody sings them. One of them is, I have decided to follow Jesus. None of us decided on our own to follow Jesus. How can a dead man decide to follow Jesus? Wherever he leaves me, I will go. Not if you're lost. Only if you're saved and in his will will you go. You'll find an excuse not to go. So the next question is, have you heard the good news? And the gospel means good news. It is the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came to make a way for man to have restored that relationship to God. Jesus came and lived a sinless life and then took our place by dying the death that we should die so we can have eternal life. In other words, Jesus did for me what I could never do for myself. That's what upsets me when kids, whether it be mine or yours, show no respect to the parents. 
Because that baby would have died. That baby could not clean itself, change itself, feed itself, take itself to the doctor. Somebody who had love did that. But we, we see that uh, no one can come to me unless the Father who have sent me draw him. That's John six forty four. You know, so uh, you said, but everybody that is saved wants to be saved. Absolutely. But... Uh, who wants to be saved? You know, when you have a child, and I'm not talking about child abuse, but if you discipline that child properly, he that didn't want to mow the yard now can't wait to get in the yard. A man, woman, boy, or girl that wants no part of church. They'll find any excuse in the world to keep from coming to church. But when God saves them, they'll make a way. Because God made a way. But see, it's all of him. That's why that we have so many confessions that we said, I have decided to follow Jesus. Another one of those little songs. Really? How can a lost man decide to follow Jesus when he has a depraved heart. So for him to decide is sort of like that child. Once that parent applies a little disciplinary love, then they want to. As sinner, after God deals with him, and only God and the Holy Spirit can deal with him, then he wants to be saved. Next question is, have you repented of your sins? Conviction we just spoke of will create sorrow and shame over your sin that will lead you to repentance. Notice with me in 2 Corinthians. When we look at 2 Corinthians, chapter 7, Verse 10, 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, For godly sorrow, work of repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world, work of death. When we follow the world, sooner or later we're going to have sorrow. When we see there, godly sorrow means more than feeling sorry for yourself. It is sorrow over who you are and what you have done against God. I don't have any problem at all when a, when a saved person turns back to the world of saying, that person was a pretender. Now, I don't know how long God lets you stay out in the world, so I can't say you can do it, but, you know, it's, uh, 
I just use the prodigal son, you know. At God-given time, that prodigal son came back. And the other one was stayed at home and said, this is my boy. His true colors came out when the other one wanted to come home. I preached that at the church in, in Georgia, and one of the ladies said, you know our pastor believes that the prodigal was lost. I said, I believe he was lost until he was willing to come back home. God saved him. But it's all right. If I knew that, I wouldn't have preached that. Don't ever want to preach something that the pastor at the church, you know, I would talk to him as I did, but I never try to preach anything uh, as a guest preacher that would cause trouble for the pastor after I'm gone. But I've got the responsibility to tell him what I believe and show him what I believe. See, uh, repentance means to change direction. If I repent, and we repent because we're doing something wrong, right? I repent. I lied to Callie, so uh, when God deals with me, I'll go to Callie and say, Callie, I lied to you, I'm sorry. Don't know what I was thinking. Evidently, I wasn't thinking. That's the difference between saved and lost. Because repentance means to change direction. It is more than changing your mind. Biblical repentance is a change of our heart, the very core of who we are. See, when a church member that is unfaithful repents, what happens? They start showing up at church. When a father repents of his lack of taking care of the family, he makes some changes. Repentance is a change. So once we see that and understand that, you know, we know that a leopard cannot change his spots, certainly cannot change them alone. You need God's help to repent of your sin He will help you repent when you truly surrender to him. This is where faith comes in. So you need God's help to repent. Anything you're doing in the flesh that is wrong, you need God's help. Now, I can make you feel guilty. Your spouse can make you feel guilty. One of your friends can make you feel guilty, but... That only lasts, you know, until you're mad at that person. You're, that all fades, that fades away. But when God deals with you, there's a change. That's what repentance is. A change of mind that leads to a change of action. And if a change of action doesn't follow your repentance, you truly did not repent. See, when a church member and I never tell tales and names to, but when a church member comes before the church on Sunday morning repenting of their sin and then 
before the night service, they're right back doing it. They didn't repent. I don't know what they did except made a, you know, of themselves. You can't fool God. So the question is, is have you believed in Christ? Christ is the source of salvation. In fact, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me, John 14, 6. Now, when you look at that verse, and we read it real fast, as I quoted it real fast, he said, I am the way. Now, out of those four words, there's one word that is of most importance, and that's the word the. That's a definite article. Definite article. You know, I am the way, not one of the ways, not one of many ways. He is the only way. That's why that those the and of and us are very important that so many of us look over. He not only said, I am the way, which is the only way, the truth. You can't be saved except by the gospel. And I am the life, and you have no eternal life except with Jesus if you're going to heaven. But if you refuse him, you're going to hell, and that's eternal life as well. But that's in the fires of hell, and that's another sermon. You know, uh, when God says, I'm the way, the truth, and life, and no man comes to the Father, comes to the Father except through me. See, faith, faith is belief. I have faith. You know, we was planning on being on our way to Georgia now. So last week I took my car back up to, to the place and had them check all out, you know. And, and, and it's so, you know, reassuring that when you take it in, you say, I want you to check everything about it. But yet, when I get it home, I look at my back wipers, it's about half off. I said, man, I guess that's not part of it. Now, I use that illustration because God is interested in every detail. When God changed me, you know, if God was going over my Toyota and giving it a whatever, 21 point, the windshield wipers would have been important. It's important that we have believed that Jesus is the only way, he is the only truth, and he's the only life. Christ is more than a factual knowledge of who he is. It is fully trusting that he is who he said he is, the Son of God, and that only he can save you. He's not one of the ways. You know, he's not one of the ways. He is the only way. So when people say, you know, you're narrow-minded. I say, thank you. You acknowledge two things, that I've got a mind and that I think right. 
He is the way. He's not one of the ways. He is the truth. He's not one of many truths. Now, who will you, if you're here lost, who would you surrender to? Only Christ can save you. And as you turn from yourself, repent, you must turn to Jesus in faith. So you repent. That's a change of mind about yourself. If I died today, I would go to hell because I've never trusted Jesus. Repentance and faith are not distinct steps of salvation. They are two sides of the same coin. Think about that. Repentance and faith. So when I sat in on a debate and they were asking for a man to be saved, which is comes first, repentance and faith. Well, you're not going to do either one until God has made you alive. A dead man can't repent. A dead man can't believe. So God's got to make you alive. He's got to reborn you. Then he grants you repentance and faith. And he never dress, gives a person repent, the ability to repent, the ability to have faith that he has not made alive. So which come first? They're two-sided coins. If you got a nickel, a penny, a quarter in your pocket, you know, which is most important? It's a both sides. Which is more important? You know, which is more important? Faith, belief, repentance. Well, first of all, you got to be born again. If you're not born again, repentance and faith and belief don't mean nothing to you. It means a way or a means. As you turn from yourself, you repent. You must turn to Jesus. That's faith. God will grant you both the faith and the repentance you need when you seek him with complete sincerity. What does Ephesians 2.8 said? For by grace are we saved through faith, not of yourselves, is the gift of God. Neither works leads any man should boast. We can't boast that I repented, you know. I on visitation with a, one of the brothers one time. He was talking, you know, we usually take care of the door, and, and, and he said, you know, he was right, but he was wrong. You can't repent, you can't believe until God's made you alive. In other words, you've got to be born again. What will happen to that baby? Does that baby come out crying and the crying makes the baby born again? That baby's got life. The crying or whatever the baby may do is, hey, that baby's alive. What is a real salvation experience? Scriptures teach us that some believe they are saved but are fooling themselves. Jesus said that on the day of judgment. Many people will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in thy name? In Matthew 7, 22 and 23. 
you know. Many people will say, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons in your name before many miracles? And then will I declare, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye workers of or practice lawlessness. You know, one who practiced lawlessness. So how do you know if you're really saved? How can you have assurance that you won't be turned away on judgment day? Romans 5, 1. Therefore, having been justified or saved, when you're justified, you're saved. By faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, so Romans 5, 1. You know, I was... Uh, uh, the... Uh, when the men used to do... The devotions, one of the longest devotions this particular man ever did was on Romans 5.1. And he told exactly how man is saved and what will he do after he's saved. And because uh, God said, having been justified, you're saved. If you're saved, you've been justified. In other words, if I'm saved... Someone has justified me, in other words, paid the penalty. I had that experience when I was about 20 or 21. I owed Farmer's Bank $200. I went down to pay it. And Mr. Nichols, who was the president of the bank, my dad knew him well. He said, that's been paid. Somebody came in and paid my note. Jesus came in, therefore having been justified or saved, by faith we have peace with God, our Lord and Savior. Then as we close, you can always tell it because Second Corinthians 5.17, there is a change. There is a change. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 said, therefore, and the key word is therefore, because the change, therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, new, all things have become new. What has changed? Everything. Everything. Your thoughts, your attitudes, your actions will become different. See, we grow in grace and knowledge. That Tuesday morning that God saved me, the only thing I knew, I was saved. But as I started going to church and listened, and then I realized that salvation is a progressive. And, you know, we used to sing a little song when we had uh, uh, Bible scripture. He's still working on me. Still working on me? Salvation is more. It's more than a mental decision. Repeating a prayer, an emotional experience, a progressive work. It is a total change from the inside out. That change made possible by Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this study. We ask, Father, 
If there's one here this morning, and no, you're not.